Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You must have parental controls and monitoring installed on every single device your child can access the internet on. And it's the seatbelt of the internet. I'm pretty sure you would never let your kid get in the car without putting their seatbelt on. It's not safe, right? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 268. Today, we're talking about the birds and the bees and how to protect your child with Amy Lang. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Kids. Hey, I hope you are doing well out there. We, I am in Delaware and I'm having my first sunny, warm day of the spring. Hallelujah. I am so, so happy about that. And welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for listening. This is an powerful, amazing episode. I mean, honestly, I guarantee you're going to go contact all your friends and say, you have to to listen to this like you're gonna make your partner <laughs> listen to it the way I'm making my husband listen and and your friends too because this is an incredibly 
powerful episode. In just a moment, I'm sitting down with sexuality educator Amy Lang, who has helped thousands of parents around the world become their kids' go-to Birds and Bees source. She is a Mom's Choice Award winner for her book and video and the host of Just Say This, an advice column-style podcast offering parental guidance for the Birds and the Bees talks. And we are going to be talking about some incredibly important things today. We're going to be talking, you know, about those conversations that are really awkward to have for most of us parents, but maybe some of the most important and most protective conversations that you can absolutely have with your kids. And so we're going to be talking about how do we keep kids safe online, what is normal sexual development, and so much more. Some important, important takeaways I want you to listen for are that we need to be using parental controls and monitoring on every single device. We're gonna talk specifically about how to do that and she has recommendations. Listen for our talk about using real names for private parts and how incredibly important and empowering that is and how to talk about body boundaries and when to talk about body boundaries. And it's gonna be a lot younger than you think. So before we dive into this, I just want to let you know that we get into some talk about sexual abuse that may be traumatic for you if you have a history of that. So I just want to warn you that there's, you know, we get really real in this episode. So just take care of yourself. But if you can, this is an incredibly, incredibly valuable and important conversation. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know that I'm so excited that we have started recording all the video from the Mindful Mama podcast. Yes, so you can see what it looks like when Amy and I talk to each other and how I cringe in awkwardness as we talk about parts of this. So please help us grow our baby fledgling YouTube channel, the Mindful Mama YouTube channel. And you can do that as you're listening to this, like you're listening to this on a device. You can see that it may say like now playing. And then there may be a tab up there on mine anyway that says notes. And you click over to the notes and you'll see right there a link for the Mindful Mama YouTube channel. So please Go ahead and support this podcast by clicking over to the Mindful Mama YouTube channel, or you could search for it, of course, too, and subscribe and share clips from this awesome episode, which you are going to want to share anyway, I promise. All right. Join me at the table as I talk to Amy Lang about protecting our kids. Amy, thanks for coming back and talking to us again. My pleasure. My favorite topic. Let's talk about sex, baby. Actually, before we talk about sex, let's talk about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's talk about private parts. Okay. What, okay. All right. Because I think this this is a sort of like there's so many ways to like kind of go here. Um, I want to talk about private parts in two ways, and that is like when our kids are little, how should we talk about deal with private parts? And then like when, yeah, well, let's just start there. When our kids are little, how should we talk about and deal with private parts? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. So first of all, from the time they are born, you need to be using the correct names for their privates because it's actually protective. And for most of us, we grew up not using the correct names for private body parts. So 
I'm just going to run through them because there are some words that some folks haven't heard before. So female bodies have vulvas, vaginas, clitorises. This is all the stuff you can basically see. I mean, you can't see a vagina, um, outside parts. So you can see the vulva, you can see the clitoris, the labia, the labia minora, the labia majora, and then everybody has a butthole, which basically anus, but I say bottom or butthole because that's how I am. Um, and then boys, what you can see is penis, uh, scrotum, you want to say testicles, uh, foreskin. And so I'm looking at your face. <laughs> <laughs> Are we allowed to have a crack up in your show? No, yeah. oh, totally. Yes. Yes. So, um, it's just so funny. So anyway, so the reason we need to use, <laughs> you're very cute. So <laughs> So I'm saying all those words. And I think that a couple things in terms of the female body parts, everybody's been saying vagina when they're talking about down there and vaginas are really hard to see. Yes, it is down there, but it's not what you see. And so for kids and for humans, what you see is the vulva and vulva means covering in Latin. Um, and it's the labia majora that cover up all those tender parts. Um, so I'm on a vulva campaign. It's more accurate. Uh, and so if you haven't heard that word before, or it's new to you, I just recommend that when you have a moment of peace that you run around saying vulva, 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 because that's correct. Um, and so, yeah, cause the vagina is the, the hole, right? Like right. that's and the, the hole tube. inside is that it's like a tube that you can't see. So when your child points and says, what's that? Or what's this? You say, this is your vulva. Like if they're pointing to the, cause they're probably not, I don't know how they would be pointing to the tube. Right. Well, unless okay. they're like down there and yeah, there's different things ways up okay. there, which is, you know, no. Um, so, he, so you just need to use those words and here's why. So when kids know the correct names for their private body parts and they've been taught them, uh, A, it, it's empowering uh, because we don't have pet names for or cutesy names for any other part of our body. Like my nose is not my smeller, right? And that, my bye-bye for my bicep. Right. That's good. Actually my bye-bye, um, my chompers, like, like we don't teach our kids those words for any other private, any other body part. Um, so that tells kids that there's something different, um, even something shameful or embarrassing because we can't say the real words. Eventually they're going to find out the real words, right? So that's the first thing. Uh, they have a right to know. B, when your child knows the correct names and if somebody tries to monkey with them, they if they say, hey, don't touch my vulva, or even if they just in like casual conversation say, my penis is bugging me, that's actually a signifier to that person that someone's talking to that kid about their, about their body. And, you know, I have a, I'm going to tell a story. Uh, there was a little girl and she uh, said to her teacher, grandpa touched my cookie. And the teacher said, that, that's okay. You should share with your grandpa. Oh, so good thing horrible. she was tenacious because she went back in a day or so and said, grandpa touched my cookie again. And oh. the teacher said the same thing. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. It's okay for you to share with your, share with your grandpa, share your cookie with your grandpa. She tried. So this kid, like, again, she's like, grandpa touched my cookie again. And finally the teacher said, what do you mean by cookie? And she pointed to her privates. And so, and then the girl got help. 
So if that girl had gone to her teacher and said, grandpa touched my vulva, what would have happened? Boom, Boom. instant help, instant help. And kids have to tell an average of seven times before they're believed. (gasps) Really? Wow. I know. I'm sorry. I feel like we're starting your show with trauma. How about everybody breathe? Aren't we supposed to be peaceful here? Here we go. Let's take a breath. Breathe out. Mm. Yeah. So this is a hard, this is a hard topic, but we have to talk about it. And so we're talking about young kids, right? And you were asking about Mm. correct names for their privates and that's, or, you know, how we talk about privates. So that's how you talk about privates. You just do it. So if you have a kid who's three or under, just switch it up, just Mm. switch it up to say, oh, that's also called your vulva. If you have a kid who's over three, then you need to say, hey, you know what? You're old enough now to know that the real word for your cookie is vulva. And mm-hmm. then having those conversations about how they're a private part of your body. They're not for sharing. You know, it's not okay for anyone to touch you there or for anyone for you to touch anyone else's privates, you know, unless you need help. And then me, other parent, doctor will help you. Um, and, and what do you think about like, okay, so we definitely want to have those, I mean, so what are some ways to kind of initiate it? So I think I remember, you know, like we taught kids names of things like nose, ears, like that's when we want to start that conversation, right? It's just like every other body part. When do you want to say, what, make sure you've said or have said at least once or, or maybe a number of times, like if anybody's touched you, you know, that kind of statement to your kid. What so you want to remind them, because as you may know, four-year-olds don't have a great amount of retention, right? <laughs> so, uh, so reminding them, and you don't have to say, you need to remind your tone. And, you know, if you say, no one should ever touch you there in your private parts, like that's the rule, right? That's going to make your kid think, A, you're bonkers and kind of make them like anxious about that part of their body. Uh, so you can just like throw a reminder out there. Oh, hey, I was just thinking, I just want to remind you that, you know, if you're playing game with a friend, or um, you're at someone's house or, you know, you're wrestling or whatever. I just want to remind you that it's not okay or safe to like play games with privates or for anyone to touch your privates for you to touch anyone else's mm-hmm. and just be like chill about it. There are really good books for kids that are, um, that are really helpful with this. Uh, one is called C is for consent. Another mm-hmm. is called I can play it safe. I'll send these to you so you can just okay, cool. in the show notes. Yes, yes, let's do that. Um, and then my favorite one for really little kids is called It's My Body. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I like all of these books is that they're not creepy. A whole lot of like safe touch and sexual abuse prevention books are just like, I'm a grown ass adult. They freak me out. So like they give me the creep. So these ones don't. The reason I like It's My Body um, is because it gives a script. It's really simple. So kids can practice saying, no, don't stop. I don't like that. Uh, it, and it's it's totally my favorite. Now, just one caveat. It looks like 1982. I actually know the publisher. And I said, hey, could you update the cover? Because so, my people aren't they're going to look at this and think no. Um, so they did. So the cover wow. you get is the updated cover. Good for you, Amy. That's oh, amazing. No. Oh no. Wait till you see it. Oh no. <laughs> they, they changed the color. They made the red redder. That's it. Oh, no. Yeah. So anyway, don't let that put you off anyway. Um, and then books are the, one of the be- best and easiest ways to introduce this idea, right? Just around safe touch. 
So um, winging it like I just did is okay. Like you just have to have these little reminders. Like when they're put, when they're getting ready for the bath, you can say, Hey, um, you know what I did with Milo was I would say to him, is your, are, are your shoulders private? No mama. Are your, is your tummy private? No mama. Is your penis private? Yes, mama. Is your, are your knees private? So I'd go through this litany with him. So I wanted him to really understand like that, like, it's like people say bathing suit areas, which is one way to talk about it. But at some point he's like, I started doing that and he's like, got it. <laughs> like, I got it. You can stop doing this. Um, because it's just a casual kind of fun way to teach them correct names for their private body parts to talk about safety. Um, and you know, this is actually, this is like the first, like correct names for private body parts and the boundary conversation. Those are, that's the first sex talk. Those are the first sex talks. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. 
we can do that. We can do this. We can do this, parents. Uh, Yeah. And I actually had a book. I think I agree. I love this idea that winging it is okay, but books are this like kind of a great way to kind of guide us through this conversation. And I've had a couple of things and in my life, one a way a book that I liked when my kids were younger was you may know about this one, Who Has What, yeah. which is great because it like shows like the dog's testicles <laughs> and then the puppy, you know, it's like, oh, it's like everybody has these parts, you know, and it's just like so it's so like just relaxed and and it does have nice illustrations. Um <laughs> but um also recently or a couple of years ago, my oldest daughter got involved in scouts and she's in boy scouts scouts bsa and so they have girl troops now and they got in trouble big trouble for um sexual abuse scandals and because of that what they have implemented they have all these really smart protocols implemented now but one of them was that like our whole family had to go through this training we had to read like we had to read the passages about these things to our children like that was a required thing for her to go into scouts and i it was like and i it was great for me because i was like i'm sorry I have to read this to you so you can do this. So it was not like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, mom, you're dropping me into this uncomfortable conversation. I'm like, this is required by these other people. And so I really actually very much appreciated that 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 structure was there. So those structures, I do think really help. They yeah. help oh, us. totally. And, you know, good job on the Boy Scouts for like, they are front runners in terms of abuse pre- prevention in their organization. It is too bad that, thousands and thousands and thousands of boys were sexually abused there. Um, but they turn like, that is a good thing. Right. And you're right. Like having that, like, oops, it's not me. <laughs> it's really handy. Right. Oh yeah. This is required. Um, so we don't all get that. So just saying you need to know this it's important. Right. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about this and the younger your kids are, the more they're like, okay, whatever. And, but you don't do it at five and then never talk about it again. Like you have to keep talking about it. So there's another book that's called Consent for Kids. And if you've ever seen the consent is like tea video where they're comparing, giving Mm -hmm. someone, making tea for someone. And they're like, would you like a cup of tea? No, thank you. Here, no, drink the tea. Like they're using it like that. Mm -hmm. So it's written by the person who put that together. It's really, really good. Different scenarios, friendly again, not creepy, not scary, and really, really helpful. So I love that for kids who are probably six, seven and older. All right, cool. So, and we need these resources because we are living in a very different world. And I think that one of the things that's been a realization for me as I've just like grown up as a human being is like, oh, how, like, I didn't realize that, that, you know, abuse scenarios were as pervasive as they are. I mean, it was shocking to me. You probably have a statistic on this. One in four women or one in six women. And they don't know the stats with boys because they don't report as frequently. But we all know someone who was sexually abused and, um, and the abuse ranges, right? Like one of the things about trauma is that what's traumatic to you is not necessarily traumatic to you know, traumatic to you might not necessarily be traumatic to me. And so one of the things with abuse disclosure is how do the adults handle it? And of course what happened, right? Um, But it is super common. Um, The rule of thumb is if a child says grandpa touched my cookie, you just believe them. They don't lie. They don't lie. 
Um, and uh, you just have, and then you need to get the child help. Uh, the focus should always be on helping the child, not uh, supporting the family, because the, uh, most of the time the abuse happens with someone the child is known to the child and family. Um, they usually, you know, love that person, like that person. And so, you know, as we're like, if a child discloses, it's really important to stay really calm. Um, it's hard. And to, you know, to focus on, you know, what, when, where, and then you say, thank you so much for telling me we're going to get you some help and we're going to get uncle creepy some help. And because they know and love that person, even though in your head, you're like, I'm just going to, I'm a nonviolent person, but I'm just going to go stab him like 17 times. Right. Like that's happening in your head. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Child, if we keep it child focused, they're the most important person in the room. Mm-hmm. They're the mm-hmm. most important person. They need your protection and support and love. And what can happen with this is that um, the family structure can just go kaflui and they will so they will decide the child's lying or discounted or make it less. And they'll let that person um, be engaged still in their family. Not all the time, not all the time. Um, but the average the, uh, person offends on an average of about 200 times before they're caught. So 200 incidents wow. before they're caught. Right. So, yeah. Um, And, you know, I I just want to acknowledge that this is really hard stuff. And, you know, we all have our experiences and I just, um, I'm actually just going to pause and give a resource because this, uh, Mm -hmm. this can be triggering. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if you yourself have an abuse experience or you're worried about a child, um, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N.org is a super resource for you. You can talk to someone anonymously. They are highly reputable. They really know what they're doing. And, you know, people do recover from this sort of thing, um, especially kids when they, when they um, get help before they're in puberty, treatment is usually six months to a year and they go on to live healthy, happy lives. When puberty's on the scene, it's a little more difficult for a variety of reasons, but um, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, honestly, thank you for asking about this. I don't get to talk about this with parents very frequently at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk, I work with early childhood educators and we talk about this all the time. That's all I do. Um, so, you know, I don't want to terrify anyone. You know, we have this overly protective culture already around kids. So mm-hmm. that's why these body boundaries and open communication about sexuality and bodies is so helpful because you want your kiddo to see you as a trustworthy resource. So mm-hmm. if something is going sideways, they can say, hey, this happened. Um, rather than, you know, thinking, perceiving us as uh, uncomfortable with anything around private parts or mm-hmm. just not. Like if we don't talk about this, they don't know that they can talk to us. And that goes for sex, sexuality in general. Like if we don't open our mouths and say the words, then they don't know that we're open to it and say, I'm totally open to talking to you. Something's upsetting you. I won't get mad. Make sure you get help. Like using that kind of language is super, um, super, super important. So um, thank you. Thank you. Listener, listener, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think this is important, you know. We talked about names for private parts, but I think this is, and just like, this is, this is super, super important. We dove into the deep end. I kind of thought maybe we weren't diving in the deep end if when we, when we didn't dive in with, with porn yet, but (laughs) just to let you know, that's where we're going. But in the middle space, yes, (laughs) in the middle space, what's, what can parents expect as like normal sexual kid behavior? Um, when they're like young and then in elementary and then maybe into puberty? 
Thank you. I love this question as well. But first, why don't we all take a breath again? Yes, let's take a breath again. Go. <sighs> Thank I you. That too. That's why I love your podcast because we can do that. Like other <laughs> podcasts, I'm like, okay, we need to take a breath. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? But no, here we get to breathe. So that's, I'm so glad you asked that because one of the things about kids and sexual behaviors is that we think everything is, is bad. Like if your kid's playing doctor, oh my God, that means, or like something bad has happened or it's, um, like that's our lens, uh, mostly because we don't know anything about childhood sexual development. So here's the dealio. We're sexual from the get-go. Like it is part of who we are. And, um, you know, baby boys figure out, it feels, you know, they hang onto their tallywhacker like in utero and they figure out really quickly that it feels good to touch their penis, right? Girls or things are a little hidier, so it's kind of hard to get in down there, but they do too. And so you know, those parts of our bodies are wired up for pleasure from the beginning. Um, but childhood, like young childhood sexuality looks very different than teenager sexuality. Uh, there aren't any hormones engaged. So with young kids, what we expect is, and this is considered typical, it's considered common. These behaviors are worldwide. Like every kiddo usually kind of goes through these phases. Um, so lots of curiosity about who's got what in the privates department, right? Looking, sometimes touching. Because remember, we're four, right? If you put your four-year-old hat on and somebody's got this thing hanging off the front of them and you don't have one, you're going to be like, uh, hi, dude, can I touch that? And they're going to be like, sure, why not? Because they don't know, right, that there's anything bad or embarrassing or like not okay about that. So we see that. We see playing doctor and it's literally a game to them. They're playing doctor and, oh, I'm going to look at your parts, right? Because that's just what we're doing, we're at the doctor's office or they play midwife and there's a full on birth scene, right? Like, so, and sometimes we're down, they're down in there. Um, so these kinds of behaviors we expect, uh, they're, they're not, un, they're not wrong. They're not bad. Um, the other thing too, is potty talk. Like I did not know the word poop could be so hilarious until I had a five-year-old. <laughs> I was like, dude, no one wants to hear that outside. No adult wants to hear that. That's what I said. So you can do that outside or in the bathroom. And so he did like, he pooped his butt off. I saw mouth off. I should say like outside. Right. Um, so, so I say that like, this is typical stuff and we know that, right. We know that. So knowing that, like expecting that in terms of their sexual development, um, means that when you find this happening, like your kids playing doctor or, uh, a child I known was playing baby kittens. And then that turned into, I overheard that Milo was Five, I think. And I overheard, he's with one of his best friends and I hear penis, vulva. And I'm like, ah, crap. Cause it baby kittens were taking a nap and then it turned into checking out each other's parts. So this just happens like this. So we know it's healthy. We know it's typical. We know it's normal. So when we correct their behavior, it's, it's hard to keep your poop in a group, but when you correct their behavior, you just say, Hey, it's not okay or safe to play games with privates. Kids can get hurt. Remember it's private part of your body. Um, very tender, very sensitive. And that's the rule. And so you just reinforce like, it's like, yeah, I get you're curious and it's not a safe way to play. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's when you say it, like, it's so practical and down to earth. I love that. So can you just like repeat that little script again? Because I think yeah. that we could all use one more yeah. round of yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah. So there's actually a full <laughs> script. So it looks like this. So here they are, they're baby kittens and Amy overhears penis vulva or whatever. So I went into the bedroom and the door was open. Children do not need privacy. Bedroom doors should always be open. Um, and I went to the bedroom and I said, Hey, 
I uh, heard that you guys are look you two are looking at each other's privates. Very specific. And mm -hmm. I said, uh, it's not okay or safe to play that way. Kids can get hurt. That's the rule. Yeah. So let's go. I don't know what I did with them. Have a snack, wash hands, something, mm -hmm. and just redirect them. So the most important things are the I statements. Hey, I see, or I heard. Uh, I uh, There's another piece where you can say, I feel uncomfortable when that happens because it just sends a message. Um, mm -hmm. It's not okay or safe to play this way. Um, so let's go do something else. And just a little like gentle reminder. Yeah, gentle I love that. And I love how like the first time around you said like, it, you know, these are sensitive parts and you yeah. can get yeah. hurt. Like yeah. that, that's just like so practical like yeah tender yeah, like yeah you don't want to hurt these sensitive yeah. little tender parts of your right. body yeah um, only for you to touch like there's some things you can add in there but mm -hmm. the goal here is to keep it super simple because that's going to keep you calm if like you go in there and you're like i just heard you say what's going on in here are you looking yeah. at each other's privates that is not okay and it's not safe to play that way those are very sensitive parts of your body come on let's go get a snack or wash hands right your kids gonna the kids are gonna be like crazy. What did I, what happened? She's crazy. Right. And, and they're going <laughs> to, if they see you freaking out, they're going to be like, oh, she's not safe to talk to. They're not safe to talk to mm -hmm. because they freak out. And I just want to say it is really hard to keep your poop in a group when this kind of thing happens. So I don't want to like make this sound like it's like, oh dude, how's the penis party going? Like, it's not going to be like that. Um, but if you're aware now that this is expected and typical, then you can have a moment where you take a breath and you're like, okay, playing doctor. Now what? If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Playing yeah. doctor now what? Okay. Yeah. 
Great. Okay. Thank you, Amy. Mm -hmm. That's incredibly helpful. Okay. So those younger ages are going to be checking things out. They're going to be playing Mm -hmm. doctor. They're going to be curious. How about as we get into uh, elementary ages? Yeah. Okay. So things kind of like, everything's going to kind of ratchet up as they get older. So enjoy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Hey, you asked me to be on the show. Um, <laughs> you started this. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm bouncing my computer. Um, so, uh, so in elementary, we, what we expect to see are some games like boyfriend, girlfriend, kissing games, maybe spin the bottle, like we're getting kind of upper elementary, still curiosity, um, questions about like sex and how babies are made and looking at like relationships, crushing. Um, there may be some body rubbing, uh, maybe some inspecting. Uh, so it kind of, you see how it just turned up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is pre- Rubbing other people's bodies mm-hmm. or rubbing our yeah, own like, bodies? Like they might be playing like, uh, like getting married and then you kiss and then it's the honeymoon and you happen to have a little data about what happens on the honeymoon. So there might be some body rubbing, which can happen. Um, it's not repeated. So it's just occasionally, um, usually in both circumstances, the kids are really good friends. It's just not a random like play date and suddenly pants are down or something like that. It's usually, um, they usually have a connection and it's fun. And to all of these things are games to the kids. Their games are in that context of this is a game, right? So we're playing getting married, we're playing boyfriend, girlfriend, we're playing like playing doctor, right? It's all a game to them. We know that it's troublesome, right? It could cause problems, but they don't think about it that way. Um, and that's one of the ways you know that it isn't something to be, I mean, of course, we're always going to worry. It's one way to know that it's not, it's called sexualized when they play, uh, when they play a game that's like adult-like. So, um, so just, again, kind of paying attention to that with older kids, you can have conversations about who's crushing on who, you know, have you ever, you know, you can say your kids ever played any games with private parts and you just be like, how's the weather? <laughs> but you're saying like, ever played any games like with private parts or kissing games, you can be super kill, cool, chill about it um, and casual and just see what they say. And, and your kids will see right through you. They well, will be like, I see you, them. mom. But like you want to do it side by side. Yeah. Like you're going car. for a walk. And yeah, so that way car. you don't make eye contact. Back seat. They're behind you. And you okay, can be like, good. hey, how's it going? Just wanted to find out if you've been playing kissing games. Um, again, don't be all formal. Just be like, I was wondering. I remember when I was a kid, I used to play boyfriend, girlfriend with my friend Ashley. And we'd pretend we're getting married and, you know, just blah, blah, blah. Ever played a game like that? spiel it out. Um, and you know, again, this is, again, the things I'm describing are worldwide. We expect to see this because they're starting to explore more, right? Like they're getting, like they're seeing relationships. And so they're mimicking things that, um, in their own playful way, like in a playing way, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, some questions about puberty and like getting the like whiff that things are going to change up, right? Their bodies yeah, might, are- my, my daughter's like my one daughter, like I gave her the American girl book about Mm -hmm. bodies and she like dog eared it and like took notes and stuff like that. Like she was all about it. And the other one has, you know, has also been reading it too. I'm a big believer in resources because it just is like, if you can't talk to me, at least like that was, I mean, now as I guess we, we can kind of shift the conversation in adolescence, but like, I, you know, I had an adolescent, uh, my daughter's 13, like I had, had incredible resistance to talking to me. I was like, God, 
Amy told me to talk to her and she was like, don't talk to me about this. Don't. And she would like walk away. And I was like, ah, like, what do I do? I'm supposed to talk to her. And then I was like, so I, cause I, at this point I was like graduating her to the, um, our bodies ourselves book. And I, I was like, listen, I am going to have to dog you and worry about this. If I, I'm going to have to feel like it's like, so there's something seriously wrong that I should worry about and you should get counseling for. If you can't talk to me about anything, I said, at, at the very least, like, all I want to tell you is like, just take this book and look at this book instead of going online. Like that was my only message for her. And so she finally like was able to accept that, but it was like hard. It was hard yeah. to, she has much resistance to these. Yes. That's my child. Ironically, of he course. told me he'd rather talk to strangers than me or his dad. It was great. It's very, it was a fine moment. And he was like 11. Mm. <laughs> and if they do that, you just say, sorry, sucks. I'm just going to give me two minutes. I'm going to say the thing and get on with it. You know, and I love that you gave her our bodies ourselves. It's a great resource. It is, has everything in it. Everything. In I remember it, it from yeah. when I was, my you mom did. gave it to me. I was like, right. wow, this is yeah. an interesting book. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. So, okay. So let's talk about peak. So that was just kids in pre-puberty. Now let's talk yeah, about yeah. kids in puberty. So we're looking at like nine to 13 year olds at this stage. Um, so turned up interest. So now they're really getting interested in sex. They're curious about it. They're talking about it. Um, they're hearing terms. And so they want to kind of dig in more deeply. Um, you're probably going to, you may overhear them talking about sexual stuff and uh, you just need to keep an ear out for like what they're saying. And so um, they may know about oral sex. They may know about anal sex. They may know more because of porn exposure, which will be, will be trauma. We'll be traumatizing you with in just a short moment after we get through this. Um, <laughs> you can have to, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you end up calling this show. <laughs> What do I title this? God, yeah, I don't the know. Title. God, I don't know. You might not want to listen to this. Oh, we'll find out. Like whoever's listening, you're going to know what she came up with. Um, so we see, um, we do see more, um, more like adult-like sexual activity, a teenager-like sexual activity. So a pair of kiddos might be dating. They might try making out a couple times. Sometimes they'll try sex, which we don't like. Um, but usually it's not repeated. Like they don't regularly do it or they don't regularly make out. It's usually, and if you just hearken back to your days of being like in middle school or whatever, you know, I, I knew someone who was having sex and they, we were in the seventh grade or the eighth grade. And I was like eighth grade and she had her, her boyfriend was a 10th grader. And I remember thinking that ain't right. Like that is she's too young. This is weird. Um, so if you kind of think back to what the general population was doing when you were in that age group, um, that's pretty much what's going on now. So, um, so I, yeah, I have a very personal question for you about this because when I was like 11, like I went on my first date, like I had a boyfriend in fifth grade and stuff like that. And like, this is just not like my kids are like, they're not, I'm not seeing any signs of any of that. Plus, my eighth grader is like living in a pandemic, like goodness, like the whole, I feel like in some ways, like I should be having some of these conversations, but like, it almost seems like rude to imply, like, cause she's never out of her house, our house. Like, it's like, what am I supposed to say to you? Like you have zero opportunities to like be with the opposite sex, which I think I'm pretty sure she's like, 
a straight kid. She hasn't indicated and she's very mm -hmm. open to all of that. So I don't know. It's like, it seems like I, I'm not quite sure how to approach it because there's just so extremely little opportunity right. from what I can uh, see. Right. So you having a boyfriend at 11, like, I'm sure that was not like when you had a boyfriend at 17. Yeah. Very different. Very right. Different, very yeah. different. So it's think about it in terms of like practicing, right? Okay, practicing. Yeah. It was with like a little, that, yeah. yeah, with a little oomph because we've got some hormones going on. Um, so let me think if there's anything else that's going on there. I mean, mainly curiosity, chatter among peers, some, te some testing the waters, a little experimentation that looks, like I said, more teenager-like, but nothing regular, nothing regular. And then the e teenagers are easy. Um, <laughs> so like once they get, they get to like 14, they do everything, not every kid, but pretty much everything's on the table. Um, so you can just assume, uh, that your child, assuming, you know, they can have human interaction. And I'll answer your question in just a sec. Um, that they can have human interaction. You can assume that they at least know someone who's having sex or headed that way. They may be headed that way themselves if they have a boy, a partner, um, you know. And they may be like your your daughter who's got no opportunity, right? I mean, really, um, to be doing physical like stuff and dating. Um, so just to your question, I think you should say that to her. I think you should just say, you know, it's kind of, I'm thinking about, I was thinking about this and it kind of is weird that you're not having any opportunity to like really get to know people and see, you know, if there's somebody you might be, have it want to date in that kind of typical way. Cause you're like in class together. Um, so I just wanted to say that and just say like, what do you think? And I would also say, are any of your friends like make having, I want to say hooking up online, but you pick your words, right? Are you any of your friends like finding boyfriends, relationships? What's happening there? And just do a little poke around and explore because kids are dating this way. Thank God. And there's no parts and holes and they get to know each other. Um, but that being said, you need to be super clear that there are no and never, ever, ever, ever anything naked, no parts, nothing when you're having a video, when you're having a relationship like this. Um, it's very risky. Uh, because for a variety, a, it's illegal because it's making child porn. So we start there. Um, it's risky. Kids can get in a lot of trouble. It's a felony, like it's a felony times three. So you just need to be really clear that clothes are always on, or there could be a shit storm, right? Um, mm. And most kids don't do that, but they do. They do sext and they send stuff back and forth. So you just need to be really clear. That's why you need to check your kids' phones and. It's super hard right now because of Snapchat and all these different ways they communicate. They have secret Instagram accounts. They have their public account and then they have their private accounts. Oh. Yeah. Good news, didn't, huh? I didn't know about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because we have not, we have banned Snapchat because we don't want, we don't want them having to do a streak. Of, no. So that's like where you have to every day respond or something like that. No. You have to send something. So we're definitely against that. No. She asked and we were like, no. No Snapchat. Oh, so many things. So, so, so incredible. So many uh, things to go. So I'll just, uh, I'll share this. So I, we let's, let's dive into the achy sticky porn issue because so I, I want to share this. Like I talked to people like Amy, like I talked to parent educators and I talked to child development people all the time for this podcast. And you know what happened to us? And I've got a like a super tech savvy, like computer programmer husband who I thought had put some blocks and things on our devices. And then, so one summer day, I think my daughter was eight or nine. 
had my window opening open. I was doing a mindful parenting coaching call, membership coaching call. And she heard me say spanking. And then she went inside and no. looked up spanking. I'm and sorry. Guess what happened? She came up. So my husband has an office inside and he, he with windows and he looked over to the window and saw her watching some porn. And she was just like shocked and like, oh my God. And he, so he stopped his meeting and like went over and talked to her and asked if she was okay. And we talked about it and blah, blah, blah. But this can happen. It's so easily available is what I want to say. Like for the best of us, like don't like, don't make assumptions on this. This is my, this is what I have to say, but I'm, I'm sure you're like, you're obviously nodding your head and agreeing here. So fill, fill us in on what's going on in the world with this, Amy. So what you just described is exactly how kids are being exposed. Um, they have a couple that came in because their daughter Googled horses and made her way to porn. Oh man. I mean, if you're bored, if you're bored um, Google horses, go to images, scroll down. Do you see, till you see a horse with an erect penis? You cannot unsee things. Click on that, scroll down some more. You will end up in porn within four clicks. I just did this because I wow a ranty newsletter <clears throat> about porn. Um, because I was like, I want to see how quickly I can get to porn. And I followed my she was seven. I followed my eight-year-old, you know, my eight-year-old did all the work, seven-year-old did all the work. Um, so kids aren't being exposed necessarily because they're searching for porn terms, because they're looking for sex. Um, so spanking. Right. She's like, mm -hmm. oh, spanking. All right. What is that? Okay. I haven't remembered. Cause I bet you probably, I mean, maybe the one time you spanked like, like, like the best of us, right. Or whatever. Like you don't spank your kids, right. You don't, um, she, she has zero exposure. To yeah. That at yeah. All. So, so she's so, like, oh, yeah. what's that? Right. And so she gets in there and checks it out. So that's the first thing is it's happening innocently. Um, and then not every kid rabbit holes. Not every kid goes down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Not every kid repeat uses. Mm -hmm. But the deal is that it is not your child's responsibility to be safe online. Mm -hmm. It is not their job. Absolutely not their job. It is, uh, it is a requirement. And I am like, no BS here. Like if you take any, I know we've traumatized you, but if you take anything away from our conversation today, it is this, you need, you must have parental controls and monitoring installed on every single device your child can access the internet on. And it's the seatbelt of the internet. I'm pretty sure you would never let your kid get in the car without putting their seatbelt on. It's not safe, right? It is not safe to let your kid out on the, out on the world wide web right? You can get anywhere. You can see anything. You can look up how to commit suicide, right? Like you can look up grisly car crashes. Like there's awful stuff out there. And so as your kids get older, they're going to search for like penis enlargement <laughs> or like whatever, right? Or boobs or butts or whatever. So they're going to end up there. It is now, it is like, I looked at the encyclopedia and we looked up words, right? We found like our bodies ourselves were pouring over that. We saw porn mags, like like Playboy or whatever, like we didn't have this opportunity. I know if I was living right now as an adult, as a kid or an adolescent, um, I would be right there. I would have been right there Googling all this, looking at the porn. Um, and so uh, we will, get, there's a product called Circle. We'll put it in the show notes, um, get 20 bucks off for using my special link. I get a little kickback too. Um, because 
they, it, you, they, they aren't going to necessarily search it out. But if they do, you need to know. So some folks don't know the difference between monitoring and parental controls. So monitoring is watching. You're watching where they're going. Circle is really great. It get, there's an app. It tells you where they're going. You get a ping if they search for something that's troublesome or if they see something that's troublesome. Um, parental controls are the blocking. So you block terms. The younger they are, the tighter the controls. It gets a little complicated as they get older because they need to have um, access to different things just for school and that kind of thing. But or by if the you time, have multi-age household, like multi -age if you have a five-year-old and a 14-year-old, Right. It's complicated. Yeah, it gets complicated. Um, but by the time they are like a uh, seventh, eighth grade, uh, you can take all the parental controls off and but you're still monitoring so they can go anywhere they want. Uh, when Milo was in the seventh grade, he uh, had, was having an adolescent fit uh, because of a variety of things. But one of the things he was mad about was that we had monitoring uh, on the computer and his devices. And uh, he said, and I hate it because I can only go to three to five websites because I know you're watching. And I was like, yes, indeed. I said, yeah, I can see how frustrating that would be. And then I ran downstairs and found my spouse and I'm like, Carrie, it's working. So that we want, right? <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five, right? We want them to flex that muscle of self-control. And so I, I don't know, like everybody says, oh, my kid would never, not my kid. It's just wrong. Your kid, your kid, your kid. And if not your kid, then some other kid, a kid at your house is going to become, comes over to your house and is like, hey, check this out on the school bus. Like mm -hmm. kids show each other stuff. You know, it's everywhere. It's instantly accessible. And it is not your child's job to be responsible for their online safety. Absolutely not. Okay. I love this. I think we need to underline this. The parental, you know, that is not your child's responsibility to be safe online. But you just also said by seventh and eighth grade, you can take parental controls off. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So they can go anywhere they want to and you're watching. But you just monitor. You're still monitoring. You're, you're monitoring. still monitoring. Okay. You don't take the monitoring away. You're always, always watching until they're about, like, I think we stopped when Milo was 17 or 18. It was mm -hmm. like, whatever, yeah, yeah. ship has sailed. Like, I'm yeah. tired of like unblocking crap for you because sometimes there was stuff that he couldn't get to. And um, so, you know, you know your kids, you know your family, but less is like tighter reins is better or better, tighter is better but they do need to be able to look at stuff. And like Milo said, I can only go to three to five websites because I know you're watching, right? He's, he's doing self-control and this isn't perfect. They work around, it's not perfect. But I will tell you one thing, um, I've never had so many phone calls and emails and consultations around porn exposure yeah. this year, this yeah. year. Kids are online so much and parents are stressed out and they don't have what they need to have in place to protect their kids. Um, I don't ask anymore in a group, like who has monitoring and parental controls. If I have had a group of 30 live people, I'd have five people raise their hand. And I'm not like, I'm shaming everyone right now, but that kind of shame is not healthy <laughs> like in a group. So I just wanna talk about the school computers right now, just for a few minutes. Um, you have to check them because the monitoring can fall off, um, the parental controls can go sideways. Uh, this is happening, not all the time, but you need to spot check. So get on your kid's computer and Google sex, Google boobs, Google spanking and see where you can go. Hmm. I had one family call me because their son had, they had moved and he was accidentally logged into his mom's Gmail hmm. or whatever Google account. 
And so he figured that out and kids are going and fooling around where they're supposed to be in school. He, his dad, after he, they figured out he was watching porn during school and he was bouncing back and forth. And this is really shocking. Uh, he was nine and he had about 70 hours. He'd seen about 70 hours of porn. since. Oh that. my God. Yeah. So that was an, just a mistake, right? Wrong account. So I don't mean to terrify you, but this might be it, healthy terror for us, a I healthy think. terror, but and I am just so sorry. This is all so hard right now, but this is something I bet that's in the back of your mind. That's like, oh, are they okay? Are they okay? Are they okay? And if you've done everything you can to make sure they're safe online, then you can, te- you can take that down a notch. Um, the word, as you know, Miss Mindful, that worry, that little niggle thing, that niggling thing, it sucks your soul. Yeah. And this is a soul sucker. And maybe this entire episode is a soul sucker. <laughs> no, 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 no. This it's is not, a wake not. up call for all of us. I mean, yeah. I'm going to be go, going in and yeah. doing that test. I mean, that sounds really mm-hmm. like very smart and very practical mm-hmm. again, Amy, you know, mm-hmm. like go in and see where you can get with your kids stuff. Right. Yes. And then if you can get all kinds of places, make sure you're locked, they're logged into their account and then tell the school district, tell the school mm. I hopped on, I spot checked and I went and saw some great looking butts like or whatever. Um, and it's harder as the kids are older because they need to be like in high school and stuff. They need to go like do go places to learn stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah. So that's one thing, but let's just take a minute. I know we're sort of talking. Let's take a deep here. breath. Let's take a breath again. Cause I have some help. I have help. There are two books. They're called good pictures, bad pictures. There's good pictures, bad pictures, junior, and then good pictures, bad pictures. I call it senior that are about how to hand like about pornography. There are four kids, how to handle porn exposure, what porn can do to, um, you know, hearts and minds and brains when it comes to sexuality. It's got tips for what to do when they're exposed. Like, so for example, really simply just say to your kids, like, Hey, if you're ever online and you see any videos or pictures of naked people, or if you're older kids, like say people having sex, um, that is not okay or safe for you to see. It can really mess you up when it comes to like sex and sexuality. So the rule is you need to stop watching, turn it turn off the device, come find me or other safe adult and let me know. You won't be in trouble. You won't be in trouble. This kind of thing happens. Um, so they just need that step by step by step. Um, and, and, uh, would you recommend that book for like an 11 year old? Oh yeah. Good pictures, bad pictures, senior for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm you know, ordering it like right after I talk to you. Yes, yes, you are. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. You all should. Um, there are other books you should order, but anyway. Um, and so just having that conversation and like giving, I call it refusal skills. So like they're on the school bus with a friend and with a kid and the kid, like my one of my best friends, both of her daughters who are four years apart, first week of middle school, a kid showed them porn on their phone. Like, hey, check this out. And so those gals were very sex educated. They were porn educated. And so when that kid did, both of the kids did that, the girls were like, dude, like, no, thank you. Like, what the hell are you doing? And shamed him, which is- Good for them. Right. They were like, no, thank you. And they, you know, there might've been some swears at him, um, which, you know, I'm fine with that. Uh, And so doing that, or like when a kid shows like, Hey, check this out. Like one of the other really great lines is to say, uh, I think looking at porn is a solo activity. 
And again, <laughs> doing a little shaming, right? Good. <laughs> a little shaming. Um, and then the other, another strategy is for your kids to have a go-to YouTube video um, or something funny. So when the kids, one kid's like, here's the porn, your kid can be like, whatever. I'm like, okay. And then say, check this out and go to this video that mm. they have on their phone or on their device or take their device and say, oh, check this out and just completely redirect. This mm. requires some um, ovaries <laughs> to be like able to <laughs> yeah, do Yeah, a little this. chutzpah here. <laughs> yeah, a little chutzpah. Perfect. A little chutzpah to do this, but um, older kids can handle it. And just being really clear, like this is going to happen. It's not for kids. It can just totally mess you up. It's not real sex. It's like cartoons, like nobody's body looks like that. Like people with penises, they're not that big in real life. Like these people, like nobody's, nobody's, no, nobody looks like that. Like that is just, they're not real. Um, I just read this really great, great quote. I should probably figure out who said it, um, which is, uh, they said that um, porn is sex without hands. Sex without hands. Right. There's no caressing. There's no hand holding. There's oh. no touching. It's just like getting right down to parts. I, I don't do enough. I guess <laughs> yes, it's okay. I have enough exposure. I have to occasionally, I, I'm like, I'm not a porn consumer. And I'm like, occasionally just have to go look because I have to go see. Like when yeah. I did that whole thing with Googling horses, I was like, Ugh, okay. Okay. Like it's not, not for me, but they just get right down to it. It's a very, um, it's like an exchange. It's like a, it's okay. like a transaction it's transactional. So, um, so you have to talk to your kids about this and the way that makes it the best way to talk about it is to make sure they understand healthy sexuality and your values and know what sex is and understand that it's a wonderful, pleasurable part of life. Like they're prepared for this part of life. They're ready for, you know, as ready as they can be, you know, later on, like you're really getting them ready. You're preparing them to, to feel good about themselves as a sexual person, to understand about healthy relationships and consent and know what to do when difficult stuff comes up, right? And so this is part of that. So if your kids, your kids, like you have to talk with them about sexuality and sometimes you haven't, and you have to talk to them about, frankly, you've got to talk to them about porn before you talk to them about sex, because the risk to, to them is very high. And you can, if you have a middle schooler, you can probably assume they've seen it. Average age, average age of exposure is nine. Whew. Sorry. It's okay. No, it's, just keep I'm, just, breathing. I'm just breathing. I'm just breathing. Um, and it's, it's so important though. I mean, this is not some, this, this is a brand new thing we have to deal with. We did not have to deal with it before. We can't just turn our heads and pretend it's not happening. Cause that's not safe for our kids. Like we have to have our own kahunes and chutzpah and ovaries to like, just do this thing and have these conversations and get these resources, even though it's awkward and uncomfortable or whatever it is like you gotta we have to suck it up and do that for our kids because it's so important um which is which is why I do that but I think I'm gonna make my husband do one yes. of these I think because he's he's been avoiding he's been hiding behind my back I think on yeah, this one that's very common those boys <laughs> yeah, so when so, you talk, I would have a conversation so just as general just for all of y'all you just learned a bunch of stuff and I um, we did not plan to talk about this per se, right? And we just ended up in this space of talking about some really, really challenging parts of sexuality and parenting. And um, so I want to encourage you to maybe listen again. Um, and then if you're parenting with someone or you have a really good friend is to have some conversations around like, how are we going to like strategizing? So we have the first piece, which is around 
consent and sexual behavior in kids and like how how do we want to think and talk about that and then this porn piece like how do we want to think and talk about that for me the porn thing is way more important um and then with your parenting person like with your spouse like talk about okay what do you feel like you can handle here right what can Mm -hmm. you handle what do you want to take on Mm -hmm. um and it's really important for dads to talk with their daughters because it sets up that relationship and around, um, it's, you know, talking with someone who isn't the same gender as you. And also mm. uh, girls who have close relationships with their fathers who are open about sexuality, they tend to wait a little bit longer before they have sex and feel better about themselves. Um, okay. So who doesn't okay. want that, right? Cool. And- I did make my husband go get um, menstrual gear stuff right. for my daughter one time when, you know, we were at a beach house and, Excellent. you know, and, you know, said, this is what she needs. Can you go get this? Bah, bah, bah. And, you know, he gave it to her. And so there was a, a little bit good. of a normalization around that. So yeah, good. Good. I, I feel like we're on good. a good step towards that. Um, yeah. So we want to normalize this. We want to, we want to look at all the, I love the idea of re-listening, all the resources, Amy said she's going to send me that list of books. We are going to put it in the show notes. And dear listener, you know, you can access the show notes so easily because what you can do is wherever you're listening to this on your device, you can like take out your device, look at it. And there's going to be a, a, a link, a little thing to click that says show notes on there. And on mine, I just push that button. It flips to a new page. You see all the notes. And we're going to have all those notes and links right there. So you could probably look at your device right now, find, scroll down, you're going to see a bunch of links and you'll see Amy's books right there. So you don't, don't, do not stop, go resource right. yourself. <laughs> go, right now. go buy something. Um, so, yeah. And I just wanted some words of encouragement because this has been hard. Um, I think I would imagine, um, I mean, watching your face, it's been <laughs> It's been hard for me. <laughs> I, know, I can tell. I got you right in front of me. Yeah, I can tell. It's been challenging. Um, so, you know, this is, you don't do this all at once. Just pick something that feels like one little thing. Like maybe you go to the show notes and you go look at a book. Or maybe you, you know, I have a podcast too, which is called Just Say This. And it's advice column style. So parents call in and ask me about all kinds of things. There are several episodes that are about porn. So go listen to the porn episodes unless it's too much porn for you. Um, so find some small thing you can do. Um, go look at the books and then make a little plan. It is not cheating to plan. It is not cheating. It's not cheating to, like I already told you to run around and say vulva, 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 right? It's not cheating to practice. Uh, kids are really self-centered. They're not going to notice Um, and if you feel, and, and just say, when you start this conversation, say, I feel uncomfortable talking about this, like, this is new to me, but it is so important. I want you to feel really great about this part of life. And I want you to understand, like, this is a really good thing. And you need to talk about some of this kind of yucky stuff. So you're safe and you're happy when it comes time for you to be and healthy when it comes time for you to be a, you know, a fully sexually empowered person when you're 28. (laughs) I, I love that. I, I think I forget that, that piece about like, I want you to be safe. I want you to have like a empowering, positive experience. I'm just like, so like focused on like, I know this is uncomfortable. Right. But I think this is such an important piece that you're pointing out here, Amy, which is this, like, 
there's like all this wonderful stuff, you know, that is on the other side of this, you know, and, and if we can protect our kids, then, um, then they can experience this wonderful side of sexuality, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, a great part of life. Yeah, it is. So think about the long game. Like, what do you want for them? What do you hope for them? What's the long game? And then work back from that and then work back from that. And that's a good place to start. That feels good, right? What do you hope for your kids? What do you hope for them? And when you focus on that, it makes all of this more important and easier because it's the long game. My earbuds are falling out. (laughs) Exactly. It's Um, the long game. Amy, you're wonderful. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing the work that you do um, again on the Mindful Mama podcast. And you can find Amy back in another episode. I can't remember which number. I'm sorry, dear listener. But um, I, I, I think that, um, you know, what you've shared here will make ripple effects and it's so, so important, you know, just so, so much appreciated. Thank you. My total pleasure. And thank you for being willing to talk about this hard stuff. Like I said, I don't get to talk about this as much as I probably should with parents. So go you. Thanks for being bold. Thanks for ovarying up. (laughs) Hurry up. (laughs) Over up. Wow, that is quite an episode, I know. And I hope that you will be sharing this with your partner, sharing this with your friends, make them listen, because this is so, so important, right? We can't just let this slide. I'm going to be sharing this with my honey, too. So we are having those conversations, too. So a great way to share it and to see all the cringy moments of my face is to head over to the Mindful Mama Mentor YouTube channel. And if you, as you're listening to this on your device, you can click over to the show notes and get a link right to that. Please make sure you subscribe so we can grow our baby fledgling YouTube channel and get this information out to more parents. And this may be a great way for you to share a clip from this episode. And when you do, if you share it on Instagram, tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. If you share it on Facebook, see if you can find me at Mindful Mama Mentor and let people know and let me know what are your takeaways? What are you going to be doing? Was this helpful? Did I go through these cringeworthy moments for the good of us all? Please let me know that I did. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you doing this work, being part of the tribe, part of the change and the revolution in the world. Thank you so, so much. I will be back in your ears next Tuesday. Talk to you then. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and 
gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You will be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 